Coming Up is a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR. Just a quick message before you get there. For the month of June, we're asking listeners to donate to the station to help us keep going. In 2023, we're asking our community to stay tuned, stay radical. We rely on the generous donations of community to survive. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate and show your support for community-owned and community-run media. Thanks for your support and happy listening. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au and it's also broadcast on 4ZZZ in Brisbane. That's right, let's not forget those lads and lasses at 4ZZZ. The program is podcast, will be podcast the next 24 to 48 hours. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au and if you've got any complaints... Don't ring me on 0439 395 489. Email the producer, Kelly Whitworth. It's all her fault. She made me do it. And if you wonder what anarchism is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power and which give people equal access to wealth. Look, I know it's a bit complex, but it's very simple. Anarchism is the most simplest political ideology in human history. No, it's not about destruction. Anarchism, anarchos, without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So if you're involved in the struggle to share power or devolve power, or the struggle to ensure that everybody has access to society's wealth, well then, whether you like it or not, you are an anarchist. Now, I'd like to uh, start off on a serious note. We'd like to farewell Desmond Carroll. Uh, Desmond uh, died uh, about seven or eight days ago. Um, He was a long-term supporter of Community Radio 3CR, and was a long-term supporter of the anarchist world this week. He was 97 when he died. He had an extensive life, a committed vegetarian. He, uh, even on his deathbed, he was making a submission to the state government in Victoria regarding uh, against uh, uh, extending or having a duck hunting season. So we offer our um, sympathies to his sister Margot and uh, his uh, friends. Uh, Desmond is being farewelled as I speak 
at a funeral in Paran in Melbourne. So we wish, um, we pay our respects to Desmond and all he did during his long, productive life as a human being who actually wanted to make a difference and did make a difference. Thank you, Desmond Carroll. Grunters Unite. You like that? Grunters Unite. Now, I'll do an update on the Retain, Repair, Reinvest uh, movement in a little while, but I, I was interested because it's not often that I agree with uh, maybe associations which, uh, how shall I put it, represent return service people. I was interested to see that an association, Return Service Association, which represents Afghanistan veterans, was really, really, really pissed off. And was pissed off about the fact that the people who are now being investigated and charged with possible war crimes in Afghanistan are the grunters. Those that are ordered to do the dirty work. That's right. None of their superior officers have been charged. No government minister who's responsible for the deployment of these men to this theatre of war for the last 20 years, a theatre of war which was spectacularly unsuccessful when you've got some ragtag, you know, militia of Taliban taking over the country in two weeks once the Americans state they're going to leave. But he made a very good point, and this is a point we see over and over and over and over again. If you're part of the disciplinary arm of the state, that includes armed services personnel, It includes federal police. It includes state-based police. It includes privately owned and privately managed security services. Ultimately, it's the person at the coalface, the grunter. The person who's supposed to do, you know, the dirty work. Evict people who haven't paid their rent. Impound cars of people who haven't paid fines. Get involved in containing demonstrations. Now, when they do something wrong, the blame is constantly shifted on the individual. Now, obviously, we're all personally responsible for what we do. I mean, that's what the... uh, We're all personally responsible. But in many cases, there are structural reasons why people react in a particular way. And we find in the situations where things get out of hand, whether it's in a youth detention centre, whether it's in a demonstration, whether it's some type of war being waged on somebody else's 
you know, land. The fact is, it's the person at the bottom of the pecking order who is always takes the blame. Always the person at the bottom of the pecking order. It's not the politicians who have created the laws or made the decisions which put people in these situations. It's not their superior officers. It's not people in the upper echelons of that organisation which have been involved in creating that situation but it's the individual officer. So if you're a grunter like I am, you know, at the coalface, you need to remember that ultimately it's not those that make the laws, it's not those that carry out and create the structures which enforce those laws, it's those people at the end of the line who will ultimately pay the price. I'll give you an example. This is, this is history in the making. In the, 18, I think it was the 1840s, that's right, the 1840s, seven shepherds in New South Wales who were employed by a squatter, and squatters, you know, were rich people in those days, hacked to death over 20 Aboriginal women and children. They were eventually hung, which was very unusual in those days. They were hung because of pressure from the English government, which was being a little bit concerned about the atrocities which were occurring in the colonies. I mean, they were acquitted initially by a jury of their peers, and then they were retried and hung. But the squatter who was responsible for giving those orders was never interviewed, let alone prosecuted. It's the same today. So if you find yourself in a situation and you are part of the disciplinary arm of the state that you feel isn't right, that the orders you've been given are not correct, they don't actually fit any human humanity, you know, well then you need to stand up. Because if you don't, and things get out of hand, you will be ultimately responsible. As we are currently seeing with the Afghanistan fiasco, which has been played out before us. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Update. Retain, repair, reinvest. Now, those of you who are involved in the Margaret Kelly Retain, Repair, Reinvest Public Housing uh, Rally last Thursday, that's the 11th of May, congratulations. Very successful rally. Although Margaret uh, was supposed to have been evicted on the 16th, which was yesterday, obviously there'll be a process which the government will go through in order to evict the last remaining resident, the Barrack Beacon Estate. Now, Margaret Kelly has said consistently, this is not about her. 
This is about a government policy which is privatising what's left of the public housing sector. And she's been trying to obtain an appointment with the Minister, the Honourable Mr Colin Brooks, who doesn't seem to appear anywhere these days, but that's a different matter, regarding the policy of privatising public housing. For example, the Barrack Beacon Estate, 89 two- and three-bedroom units, been there for a few decades, are going to be redeveloped. And if we listen to the Danny Santa Claus, our you know our, um, the Premier of Victoria, that's oh well, you know we just you just knock them down, then we rebuild them, they all come back. What a load of crap! I mean, Danny's always stretched the truth. You and I know that. And if we were kids, we'd be we'd be you know we'd be running around him saying liar, liar, pants on fire. But we're not kids, are we? Well, maybe we are. So. That's what Danny says. We knock it down, then they all come back. It's all happy. All we're all happy. What doesn't work that way, Daniel? You know, it'd be nice to know what you, what your policies are occasionally. I know you like to be a little bit glib, but you know you need to understand what the policies are. And it's very simple. Barrack Beacon Estate, knock it down. Two hundred and fifty people displaced, reallocated accommodation. Some good, some bad. Okay. Be replaced, public land, worth around ooh, 50 million, I understand. A, you know, very nice place, the Gardner, was it Gardner Estate or somewhere, you know, in Port Melbourne? Very nice land. It used to be a dump, but it's very nice land now. Obviously, ready for private redevelopment. And uh, there's going to be, I think, uh, 350 units established on the site. 250 will belong to the private developer who puts out the money. 100, 100 will be allocated to community social housing, which, as you know, isn't public housing. Although people try to tell us that the community housing list is a public housing list. It's not a public housing list. We know that. You know that. And then they're all going to troop back into their little one-bedroom units. Mm. Now, those of you who are familiar with the uh, public housing fiasco in Victoria will understand what happens, and all you've got to do is ask the uh, residents of uh, the uh, Ascot Vale estate and the Ashwood estate, which has been redeveloped and given over to the private sector. So, as Margaret says, this is not about her. She knows that eventually, once her case, now that she's got her marching orders, and uh, within the next week or two, she'll be the only person left on the Barrack Beacon estate. She knows that eventually the government, using laws which are currently in pace, that she will be, have to be carried out of her unit. She knows that. And she knows that thousands of other people, as we know, are in exactly the same situation as the state government in Victoria continues to demolish public housing estates, leaving the land empty for years. And we know that very few people actually return to those places. And we know that the privatisation of public housing is one of the most important reasons why we have escalating rents and escalating housing prices at the lower end of the market. It's very simple. 
you know, capitalism is about competition. It's supposed to be. It's actually not about competition. It's about corporatisation. But that's a different story. But they tell us about competition. So if you want competition in the private housing marketplace, you have a strong public housing sector. The more public homes, the more people that are housed in public housing, the less need for people to rent privately. The less need for people to rent privately, rents decrease. As rents decrease, investors you know, flee the marketplace. Price at the lower end of the market fall. More people can actually buy homes. It's a very simple concept. But across the country, currently, we're seeing you know, the hold-up of a, you know, this bodgy so-called housing legislation in the Senate. It's just extraordinary. People talk about community housing, social housing, affordable housing, inclusive housing. I'm, I know I'm sounding a bit hysterical here. As if it's got anything to do with the public housing sector. It's got nothing to do with the public housing sector and unfortunately many Australians, because so many of our leaders use these words interchangeably, they think, oh, social housing, that's public housing. Community housing, that's public housing. Affordable housing, that's public housing. Inclusive housing, that's public... Well, it's not. Public housing is publicly owned and publicly managed. Now, the Andrews-led Labor government, you know, the crew that's taken the U out of Labor, the uh, alternative Liberal Party is a wonderful, wonderful privatisation machine. Currently there are isolated crown land around the state which the government is trying to flog off, which could be used to build public housing. The government could spot purchase public housing. So what's the update? Well, the rally was quite successful, especially the blockade of uh, the ministry at uh, 50 uh, Lonsdale Street in Melbourne. It had some desired results. Uh, Margaret, a number of supporters, went inside. Obviously, they weren't allowed upstairs. It was at the 21st or 22nd floor, just in case they, uh, you know, soiled the, floor, soiled the minister's uh, reception area. The police actually had to go upstairs to get a member of the minister's staff to come downstairs to negotiate because we'd blocked the entrances negotiate, you like that? And to cut a long story short, they couldn't find the minister. The minister, they didn't have the appointment book. It just went on and on. And at about 3, 3.30pm, uh, we escorted Margaret out of the building to the relief of the assembled 20, 20 to 25 police that had arrived. Guns on hips, as you expect in these situations. It is Victoria, isn't it? And... Um, so what happened? Well, the minister has decided to meet Margaret. But don't get excited. Margaret doesn't want to meet the minister for one very good reason. The minister wants to talk to her about where they are going to relocate her. He wants to discuss the three options. Now, Margaret's not stupid. She may be old like me. But we're not stupid. Margaret wants to talk about policy. The government doesn't want to talk about policy because they've embarked on a policy initiative to privatise public housing. She wants to talk about retaining public housing, repairing public housing, 
and reinvesting. That's right, reinvesting in the public housing sector. So currently, it's a standoff. So we have decided we will continue this campaign, especially considering the considerable debate. That was a bit of a tautology, considering the considerable debate. Considering the, the debate that's going on in Australia currently regarding increasing rents, decreasing home supplies, you know, and everybody talks about negative gearing, more privately owned investment properties. It just goes on and on. But nobody uses the P word, public housing. So, on the 1st of June, first day of winter, good day, isn't it, first day of winter? Thursday, the 1st of June, we'll be holding another rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And I encourage all at midday, midday, midday sharp, I encourage all those people that came last Thursday to bring their friends with them. Because in order to change government policy at the state level around the country regarding public housing, we need a thousand Margaret Kellys. Not one Margaret Kelly who's going to be sacrificed on their altar, but we need thousands of Margaret Kellys and thousands of their supporters to pressure the Liberals, the, uh, what a slip of the tongue, to pressure the Andrews Alternative Liberal Party uh, government, that's the ALP, just in case you thought I made a mistake there, to put public housing back on the agenda. Now, Mr Andrews, faced with a disorganised rabble, believes he can do whatever he likes. And it's very interesting listening to... Uh, this government, that even ministers don't even seem to appear in the media to defend their positions. It's only Danny Boy, Santa Boy, you know? He must think it's Christmas in July, it's only May. But the thing is, retain, repair, reinvest. This is a philosophical, ideological program that can be incorporated in any privatisation struggle. We could have retained, repaired and reinvested in telecommunications instead of selling off Telstra or Telecom, what it used to be called in those days. We could have retained, repaired and reinvested in the financial sector by keeping the Commonwealth Bank in public hands. We could have done it for the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. Because you see, not all government-funded public assets make a loss. Many send money back to the Treasury, like Telecom, like the Commonwealth Bank, like the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, like, you know, Medibank Private, and the list went on and on. It goes on and on. Once you sell a public asset for a peppercorn price, fire basement sale, it's gone forever. 
and to recreate it takes a lot of effort and energy. And next time we go down this path where we we create public assets to provide essential services for human beings in this country, let's incorporate their ownership in the Australian Constitution so no government of the day can actually sell them when they feel pressure to sell them. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Look, I'm a bit sorry that we've got a uh, bit of a uh, picadello for uh, whatever. For Victorian politics, I understand this program is national. It is heard by um, listeners across the country. It is podcast. But sometimes... Using an example in one part of the country, you know, it fits an example in another part of the country and uh, this privatisation mania has to stop. It has to stop. When you look at the disasters in aged care, early childhood development, healthcare, education, where more Commonwealth money goes to the private schools and state schools, you begin to understand how evil, and I don't use the word lightly, how evil the whole situation is. No wonder the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and we're all becoming cringing, carping, complaining consumers. And while we continue to act as cringing, carping, complaining consumers, we'll get what we deserve, which is nothing. It's only when we realise that we're citizens with rights and responsibilities that we're going to get somewhere. Because in a parliamentary democracy, we're told that we have, an, we have the power to change legislation by changing governments every three to four years. The reality is you may change governments, but in terms of changing legislation, that is a much more difficult task. And legislation only changes when there is direct pressure on those who, f- who form or formulate the laws, understand that change has to happen for their political survival. Now, a lot of people talk about the great reforms which occurred during the Whitlam era. They didn't just occur because of the Whitlam Labor government. They occurred because tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Australians in that particular period in time, in the early 70s, wanted change. And they pushed for change. And they pushed the ALP to have radical policies. For example, let's look at the Thai elections, which have just occurred. Which is the party which has got the most seats? It was the party which challenged the monarchy and challenged the military dictatorship which continues to rule Thailand. They put forward radical proposals and the people accepted those proposals. At the last federal election, and this is the lesson that we need to understand, only two in three people voted for one of the major parties. One in three voted for a different party. Because there is that desire for change because business as usual strategy is not working. All right, let's move on. Now, I need to give a gold star to somebody and you may be surprised who I'm going to give the gold star to. Yep, Mr. Pesuto. 
he's the, uh, how shall I put it, he's the leader of what's left of the, the once jewel in the crown of Australian liberalism, the Victorian Liberal Party. Poor old Mr Pesuto. He's been given the task of cleaning up the Victorian Liberal Party Aegean stables with a broken shovel, one shovel full at a time. And if continues and is enrolled, and obviously there's always that possibility, it may take him maybe 1,500 years, maybe 2,000 years, to clean out the Victorian Liberal Party one shovel full at a time. Because the Victorian Liberal Party has been colonised, and that's the key word, colonised, by some of the most, how shall I put it, extreme, self-centred human beings on the planet. And I know, because I was involved in the state election, I stood against Santa Claus, Mr Daniel Andrews. You know, the man who likes to dig holes but not put roofs over people's heads. And I stood against him and I went there pre-polling and the filth, the garbage, the inane comments that came out of the Liberal Party at those electoral booths was extraordinary. And if this is the intellect which now rules the Victorian Liberal Party, no wonder it's no longer relevant, irrespective of the support it's still able to generate in the Murdoch media, especially that, what is it, the Herald Scum, Herald Sun? I've forgotten what it's called. You know, you, you, I'm sure you'll all fix me up later on. So, Mr Pesuto, gold star, elephant stamp, trying to clean out the Liberal Party, uh, Aegean stables, the part, you know, with a broken shovel. Now, the problem is most of the people around you have been re-elected are part of that same scummy background because they've taken over the branches. At least Mr Andrews doesn't have that problem because the branch, branches were suspended by the federal executive because of all the ir- ir- irregularities which are occurring in the Australian Labor Party in Victoria. But that's a different matter. So, go, look, you've done one shovelful. You've got another maybe two million shovelfuls to clean out the Liberal Party, Victorian Liberal Party of GN Stables. You got my support, boy. I'd hate to have your job. And looking at you, you don't look like much of a Hercules, so you better go to the gym. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I'd like to spruik a few things. Um, Web pages, pibci.net, uh, pibci.net. That's a web page. You can join public interest before corporate interest. It's fascinating how few people want to join public interest before corporate interest. But um, you look, it's really up to people. We can only do our best. The executive does its best. But um, if people want more of the same, well, that's fine. Because as you know, there are two major tribes in Australia. I'm not talking about the 250 tribal groups and clans which uh, were independent sovereign nation states on the Australian continent and the islands around the Australian continent. Nah, forget about those First Nations people. They had a lot to teach us, didn't they? And still do. I'm talking about 
the two major tribes in Australia, unless their membership dwindles rapidly, will continue to get more of the same. And this, these tribes are what professional politicians love. They love the fact that we have two major tribes in Australia. There's two tribes. The one that most of us belong to, because we're so busy, because we're busy, because we've got to pay mortgages, we've got to pay rent, we've got to pay an avalanche of bills, we've got to send the kids to school, we've got to get an electric car, you know, and the list goes on and on. It's just terrible, all the pressures we're under. So, you know, we even think casting a ballot every three to four years is a bit of a imposition on our freedoms. So, you know, it's difficult. So we all start off life, and I think we're given this little membership badge on um, when we're born. You know, there's a lot of people in Australia, well, in Victoria, that actually put down the name of their little kiddies, especially if they go, you know, they've been to private schools, on the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Club grounds, whatever it's called, MCG, you know, uh, waiting list. Because then you use the long room and all those wonderful things. And I have been to the long room once, and the thing that I really enjoyed was pissing in the piss trough. Well, and I could, there was a glass thing in front of me, and I could actually keep watching the football. Wasn't that exciting? Well, not really. I got Brewer's Droop at that stage, but that's a different matter. So here we have, right? So when we're born, we're giving a certificate, a birth certificate and a certificate that we're a paid-up member for life of the somebody should do something about that tribe, all right? Somebody should do something about that tribe. Now, there's one thing I love about my fellow Australians, and I'm one of them, is that we love to say, you know, we watch it on TV, we see something happening, we hear some commentator, and we say, somebody should do something about that. And say, another beer, thanks. Now, as you get older, you've got a little bit more free time, you get a new membership ticket. And that's the membership ticket to the Gunner Tribe. And you're sitting back and you're saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But then you know what happens? A grim reaper comes along and we've done nothing. So what I'm trying to say in a few words is, look, you want change. It's not going to occur by doing nothing. It's not going to occur by appealing to other people's better nature. It's not going to occur by appealing to our political representatives. It's not going to occur by hoping, you know, the love child of desire and expectation. Change comes when enough people are willing to make the effort to tear up their somebody should do something about that birth certificate and tear up their Gunner Tribe certificate and actually take action. So this is what the retain, repair, reinvest public housing struggle has been all about. Without your support, 
nothing will happen. So on the 1st of June, as I said before, at midday, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, we will continue that struggle. If it means that we need to go down to 50 Lonsdale Street to the Minister's office, we'll do it again. But hopefully by then the Minister will have seen sense and spoken to Margaret Kelly, who is now awaiting eviction, because the eviction orders have been served, awaiting to be processed, that we look at a different way of providing housing for people. As I said at the beginning of the program, you've got the right not to be racially abused, you've got the right not to be sexually harassed, but you don't have the right to have enough food on the table, you don't have the right to have enough money to send your kids to bloody school, that you need a private charity to send kids to public schools, you don't have the right to have a roof over your head, but you do have the right to sleep on the street. Come on, we're better than that. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now this evening, if you're listening to the program now, it's the 17th of May and you find yourself in good old Melbourne land in Victoria. Well, this evening I'll be doing a presentation on the Victorian Land Convention, 15th of July to the 6th of August, 1857. God, Joe, have you gone crazy? Maybe I have. Now, the Victorian Land Convention was one of the most important radical movements post-Eureka. As I said before, most revolutionary movements or reform movements are based on two principles, land and liberty. The Eureka Rebellion was ultimately about liberty. The Eureka Oath, we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. It wasn't about land. The Victorian Land Convention and the struggle in the late 1850s and the 1860s, to break the monopoly the 720 squatters had on land in Victoria was a revolutionary struggle. And the Congressional Assembly of Delegates, which was based on a delegation system, had an extreme amount, a lot of support, in Victoria because Parliament as it stood in those days and not very much different today basically represented the landowners those with power and that struggle which was based on delegation and direct democracy and that's what delegation is about direct democracy is a struggle that's very dear to my heart and maybe a few listeners hearts but it's a struggle we hear nothing about now, if you can't make it tonight, 6.30, uh, you know, we start arriving for a 7 o'clock start. You can always have a look in about a few days. You can actually have a look on uh, another website, I'm sorry, a YouTube channel, josephtoscano.narm, josephtoscano.narm, where these presentations are being videotaped so that you can actually look at them at your uh, leisure. But look, I encourage you to come tonight because it's just not about presentation it's about creating a social milieu where like-minded people come together to share experiences share a joke have a drink bring some food 
Because what we are trying to do is we're trying to create a community of like-minded people who want change, egalitarian change, who want to create a society based on direct democratic principles, who want a whole wealth in common. So I invite, I invite you to come. 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray. If you can't make it this month, there'll be another topic in a, a month's time because I'm hoping to do 10 of these over the next uh, few months. I've already done three. This will be the fourth, so we're almost halfway there. Now, I'd also like to remind you the West Papuan office, they've uh, organised a spectacular event for September and for some stupid reason, the date escapes me. But it's in September. Yes, the date has now arrived in my hot little hand. The next open day for the West Papuan Rent Collective will be on the 17th of September. That's Sunday, the 17th of September. So it gives you a long lead time in order to save your money to buy goodies at the auction. But more importantly, the guest speakers will be the new Cuban ambassador to Australia and a Dr Robert Wolfgram from Fiji. Now, Cuba and Fiji, believe it or not, are part of the Organisation of African, Caribbean, Pacific States, which are headquartered in Belgium and they're closely linked to the European Union. And they passed a motion on West Papua a couple of months ago after the Pacific Islands Forum in 2019. So, put that down in your diary, 1pm, 17th September, to hear the Cuban ambassador and Dr Robert Wolfgram from Fiji, and obviously yours truly and a few other people. So, uh, interesting. Now, if you're interested in supporting the West Papua office... If you're interested in supporting, I suggest you give them a ring. 0420 Obviously, they're looking for volunteers for the office. You don't have to be a West Papuan to, be, to support the West Papuan independence struggle. The West Papuan independence struggle continues to simmer on, a little bit like the Victorian Land Convention of 1857. Nobody hears about the West Papuan struggle in this country. It's somehow off limits to off, to offend our Indonesian neighbours. So I'm a great supporter of West Papuan independence. I've been the convener of the West Papuan Rent Collective, which is about to enter its ninth year. The job of the Rent Collective is to pay the rent for a decent office, which can act as a de facto embassy and an organisational hub for the West Papua Independence Movement. We've been doing this for nine years, and it's not the rich and powerful that support the West Papua Rent Collective. It's people like you, people on social security benefits, people on minimum wages who are willing to donate a dollar a day to the West Papua Rent Collective. Now, I suggest very strongly you can either ring me on 0439-395-489, leave a message and I can send you some material on how to become part of the uh, Rent Collective. It's very simple, a dollar a day. 
or you can ring the office directly on 0420250389 and uh, maybe volunteer. They're always looking for volunteers. You don't, you don't have to be a genius, but uh, they're always looking for people who uh, can volunteer. We understand not everybody can help financially, especially in difficult financial times, but a lot of people have a lot of spare time. If you're interested, if, if you're sick and tired of gambling your money away, watching repeats of repeats, you know, pay TV, you got click finger activism, you know, from pressing too many likes on your computer. Well, this is a very real way you can access people uh, who have been some of the most oppressed, exploited people on the face of the planet, people who live less than 70 kilometres from the Australian coastline, who we forget. All right, let's move on. Every action, for every action, there is a reaction. (laughs) That's it, isn't it? We talk about platitudes on this program. For every action, there is a reaction. If you're wondering what you're listening to, this is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you're an early morning riser, which is not very nice in winter, you can always listen to the repeat of The Anarchist World this week on 3CR 855 on your AM dial at 5am on Friday. Yes, we used to have some people used to listen to it at 5am, but unfortunately they've um, died. All right, let's move on. For every action, there is a reaction. Now, what I love about the Australian media, what I really love about the Australian media is how they seem to all sing from the same book. You know, same hymn book. Discordant singing, but it is the same hymn book. And if you listen quite, listen closely, it's all about, you know, Deregulation, privatisation, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Corporatisation, you know, deregulation, goes on. Same hymn book. Discordant chords. Not everybody sings together, but it's the same hymn book. You know. I'll give you an example. Now, look. In my particular occupation, which I pursue part time these days, because I'm a, you know, a grumpy old man. I'm seventy one. Is I can travel anywhere between 500 to 1,000 kilometres a week in the Melbourne CBD. And I did notice last week there was this huge hullabaloo about increasing um, violence, increasing accidents, increasing deaths on the roads. And it was put down to post-COVID-19 anger. Well, boys and girls... I'm on the roads. I remember I was, a few days ago I was on the left-hand, that's right, the extreme left-hand lane of a f- five-lane highway in the Melbourne you know, area. And I was doing 94 kilometres an hour. It was a nice day. And I had this little truck behind me beeping, beeping, beeping. And I had to give them the two-finger salute. Not everybody's in a position to give, you know, aggressive drivers a, a two-finger salute. But that was just annoyed enough to do. And this is symptomatic. I've seen more and more of this 
in the last five months than I've ever seen before. And I've been driving on Melbourne roads for over 45 years. Is it because I'm old? No. What the real reason is, is as interest rates increase, many contractors and self-employed people, and I've noticed it's more likely to be a smallish truck or one of those, you know, little four-wheel, you know, tradespeople's four-wheel drives that are most responsible for the aggressive uh, type of driving you see on the roads, that has they, you know, have increasing costs because of increasing interest rates. They've got business loans, they've got mortgages and they're up to their necks in debt. And let's not forget 90% of small businesses close or fail within five years of opening in this country. That they feel increasing pressure and that means they need to speed. Unrealistic deadlines. And people tend to speed on the roads. They tend to get impatient. They tend to get angry. To a significant degree, in my opinion, this is not some post-COVID blip. This is about the increasing pressure that has been placed on people who are especially in small business, self-employed people, and people working for small businesses who are having to meet unrealistic deadlines because of increasing interest rates for those businesses to survive financially. Think about it. For every action, there is a reaction. And to a significant degree, what we're seeing on the roads today is directly related to the increasing interest rates and the increasing financial pressures being placed on people, especially those that own small businesses or work for small businesses who are feeling the extreme pressure. When we hear our financial gurus talk about increasing interest rates, they always talk about mortgages. Think about the millions of business loans, which now have increased from 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 to 13%. Think about it. And the pressure it puts on people and what we see on the roads is, to a significant degree, a direct result of that. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Talking about roads, road accidents, well, a little birdie has told me that when the Dan Andrews, I don't even call it the Victorian LP budget, when the Dan Andrews budget is going to be handed down, I think it's next Tuesday, a little bit after the federal budget, that Mr Andrews is going to steal, grand larceny I call it, $1.6 billion from the Transport Accident Commission. Now the Transport Accident Commission has two very important roles. It has an important role in terms of looking after the health needs of people who have been injured in road traffic accidents and we have an increasing number of people who have been injured in road traffic accidents has a direct result, as I said before, of increasing uh, financial stresses on people and unrealistic deadlines. 
And with increasing sophistication of medical technology regarding trauma uh, survival, what we are seeing is an increasing number of people with profound, long-term, lifelong disabilities created as a result of motor vehicle crashes. An increasing number. And some of these people need lifelong support. The Road Traffic Authority, or the Transport Accident Commission, was created by the state government years ago by the Kane government. It was created to provide for the health needs of people who are injured in road traffic crashes. It was also created to do research into ways of decreasing road trauma in this country. So Mr Andrews, Santa Claus, is going to steal 1.6 billion, this is what I've heard, maybe I'm wrong, is going to steal $1.6 billion from the Transport Accident Commission to help pay for the holes he's been responsible, that he's been digging around the state. Right? $1.6 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of care for people with long-term disabilities. And what that means is there will be increasing pressure on the Transport Accident Commission to decrease services to people who have been maimed through road trauma. Think about it. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Personal Facebook page of Joseph Toscano. Don't forget the rally on the 1st of June, midday on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House for public housing. Retain, repair, reinvest in public housing. Don't forget, Marbo Day is on the 3rd of June and we'll be having uh, something for that on midday the 3rd of June, which is a Saturday. And don't forget my entry into the comedy field. There are so many boring, dull comedians out there. It's about time we paid homage to Australian capitalism. That's going to be on the 31st of May. It's going to be cool, three-style, interactive. That means you. That's you. That's right. Three-style, interactive. And we've got people at the door. Tell them to go away. We've got freestyle, interactive. What have they got? they got money for us? Ah, the Radiothon. 15th of June. We need $15,000 for the Radiothon. You need a tax deduction? Donate to 3CR via the Anarchist World this week. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of Community Radio 3CR. Here we go. We're about to fly off. We've got a few seconds. <laughs> tonight, see you tonight. Great night. No, it's not the comedy night. It's the Victorian Land Convention night. Listening to your local well, the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Phone number 0439 395 489. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest, Joseph Scano.nam. Bye bye. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. 
Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! Did you enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our Radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter.